Thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Ben Evenson. So, first theme is on dating. Dating. Lots of questions about dating. I wonder why. I fell in love with someone who was and is my best friend, and we have already told and promised to marry each other, but I'm wondering if we don't wait, will it damage us? Wait to have sex. In case you're wondering I'm guessing. what the wait means. I think it means wait to have sex. My first thought. Will it damage us? I would say yes, it will cause problems and challenges in your relationship. Without a doubt, 100%. Does it mean that your relationship will end and be over and you're condemned to hell? No. Okay? We've talked about this a whole lot. There's that reality. But yeah, like... Guess what? There was probably like three girls that I would have said that this was the truth of as I was growing up through high school. Oh, we were so in love and we committed to marry each other. We picked wedding dates. Like, my gosh. And guess what? I didn't marry any of them. Oh, no. So what if I had, since I had committed, oh, they're my best friend and I love them and we're going to get married anyway. Might as well sleep together. Yeah, that would have been problematic because it would have completely broken what I had promised of myself before God. Fair enough? And, and also, just to go back to Katie's story, like she mm-hmm. talked about this relationship that she was in that was an abusive relationship, but she felt compelled to stay in it because of the promises that she had given to this guy mm-hmm. and the way that they talked about being together forever. And so she felt compelled to stay with him regardless of the fact that she probably – you were waking up literally in panic attacks going, I don't want to be with this person. <laughs> So if this is you or you have made these comments, and, and like ben, and ben shared, it's the same for me. I told a girl I was going to marry her before I met Katie, and it was totally not real. And, I mean, it was real emotion, and it was real relationship and all that stuff, but it wasn't God's will. So if you've done that with someone specifically, like maybe take a, chi- maybe take a second to reevaluate where you're at and go like, okay – it's not the end of the world. I have never walked down the aisle and said vows to this person before the Lord. Okay, and there's a, a verse in Proverbs chapter 6 saying that if you've, if you've come to a, an agreement with someone and it's not God, this is how God delivered me from this girl that I promised I would marry, go to her and beg, like is what it says, but it's about like, like making business deals. Beg for your whatever back because you're not supposed to be in that deal. Yeah. And literally, I woke up with woke up out of a dream, and God said, Proverbs 6, I read that and knew that I had to break that like promise that I made to this girl and Come set on. me free from it. So uh, get from that also that Holy Spirit is walking with you through this, okay? And so that as you're seeking God, he's going to give you solutions to stuff like this. Sweet. That's one. We got like 40 to go. <laughs> We're going to like, we want to preach on everyone. It's bad. Anyway. All right, how do you build up the courage to go up to the girl you like and tell her how you feel about her? And in, and in parentheses, ways to deal with rejection. <laughs> it's pretty good, right? I know. How do you build up the courage? Here's the deal. Don't worry about going up and telling some girl or, or the guy, whatever, like how you feel about him. Just relate. Just be friends. I loved what Katie said about that. Because when you're dating someone, you're allowed to have one friend of the opposite gender. When you're not dating anyone, you can have a thousand friends of the opposite gender. Do you see the opportunity you're missing by isolating yourself in the wrong season of life? Right? Come on, you know everybody gets possessive in relationships. Like, why were you talking to her? It's like, because we're friends? Well, yeah, girls don't just let that go. Invisible and hands are up. Come on, you know I'm not There's lying. There's like 50% of hands are up right here right now. I know, right? Oh, gosh. So, yeah. And ways to deal with rejection, you don't have to if you don't dive in on this. Just be, just pursue friendships. Yeah. You don't have to go like, hey, I just want to express how much I love you and how gorgeous you are. Like, how weird is that anyway, first of all? Because then it just gets bizarre. Don't. Yeah, I was just going to yep. say, knowing who yep. you are in God, too, rejection is, is so much more than just in a That's dating right. or whatever boy-girl relationship. Like, That's you good. could get, like, messed with by the dudes at football practice, and you're, like, can feel rejected. But if you really know who you are in God, you can, you can totally just skip that whole trauma. What does purposeful dating look like wi- between, like, or both for guys and girls? Purposeful dating, what does that look like? Dylan? Purposeful dating. Okay, well, to me, it's like knowing knowing your boundaries ahead of time. Purposeful dating is going to be like, okay, I'm, all, I'm friends with this person. I like this person. 
And I'm like maybe 17, 18, and I'm thinking, well, maybe there's more there. Maybe we should, maybe we should date. Right away, I'm thinking like this person is automatically a Christian in my book. Yep. For starters. Equally yoked. We talked about the guys a lot last week. Yeah, okay. So if it's not like that already, there's like flags going off everywhere. And then from there, it's like, because that person is a Christian, they're holding the same values as you, and you're able to actually talk with them about purity stuff right up front and go, look, this isn't going down that road. So if that's where you're thinking, then it's over before it got started. That's good. And so then from there, it's like you have this, you have that whole deal kind of like set up for yourselves ahead of time. Then it's like going back to what Veronica said in here with the guys. If you, you girls weren't here, but she said, that her and Dylan walk through Airborne, because there's another question on here about how young is it too young for the Lord to give you, like, your future spouse. And they were, what, 15, 16? Something like that, yeah. And they walked through Airborne as a dating couple with the purpose of getting married at that young of an age. And now they're married. I was there. Ben did their wedding, and they did it, like— practically perfectly but the way that they did it was literally like what i just said number one they were both believers and they loved god first number two they talked about boundaries right out of the gate and number three the next thing i want to share is that they had people to keep them accountable to their boundaries and to their standards that they set they said this is where we're at this is what we want to do and if you see us slipping up on this you have to commit to telling me about it and they didn't like it when they told them but they still were in a place where they put themselves under authority so that they could walk it out in an honoring way. So those are three things right off the gate that I would say are good. And they didn't leave room in the way people could observe their relationship. They didn't leave a lot of room for question. When they were here in Airborne, you didn't even know they were dating. It wasn't... <laughs> like, weren't disappearing to have a special talk every five minutes. Oh, my gosh. Get over it. Right. So important. Right. It was just like they came. They hung out with other people. They were, like, not glued to each other in public hanging out. Like, they would, you know, they'd hold hands here and there. They would, like, it was normal, but it wasn't like everyone around them didn't go, like, oh, I'm so grossed out. Have you ever felt? You've all felt that one, right? So, That's a big part of purposeful dating is like looking at how it affects the people around you because it's not just about the two of you. I know it's easy to think it is in the moment. But anyway, we're going to keep going. Good. Uh, That's the next question you just said at roughly, or I'm, oh, never mind. You want to do this? I'm roughly the age of where where teenagers start to have sex and they just want a way to battle with lust. So I think we might have said this in one of the the sessions or one of the breakout groups or whatever. Okay, so... And we heard a couple different uh, testimonies with different things. Um, one, of the, one of the things that I've been, um, I don't know, leaning into lately as we've been talking about this topic is when I, was a, when I was a student, when I was in high school, and when I first came back to the Lord, I was 17, and I was going from having sex with my girlfriend and doing drugs and getting high and getting drunk to going, God, I want you to be the king on the throne of my heart, like we were just talking about. So how many know that's like a big change, okay? That's like a huge change. So when I stopped drinking and doing all that kind of stuff, some of the things that happened to me were like people would tackle me and dump beer on my face and tell, well, just because they were mad that I wouldn't drink with them. And like different things would happen with girls and different things would happen with drugs and all that kind of stuff. But the biggest change for me was like I was going through it going like, no, 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 no. Like I'm not, I'm just going to like hide myself from it. And so there's a part of it that is like that, where I just like, anytime I would, um, you know, like come across a sexual temptation, I'd be like, I, I like rebuke that in the name of Jesus or rebuke that in the, by the blood of Jesus or whatever. And something that is in addition to that, and maybe even more powerful than that for me now looking back would have been, I am free from that. That's not who I am anymore. Okay. And there was like this mental change that actually has, like when you give your life to Jesus, you actually become born of the Spirit, the Bible says. So there's an actual complete new creation that you start to walk in and live out of, that you're not at all like, sure, there's like temptations and stuff like that that come at you, but looking at that thing and going like, you have no place in me. Jesus said that about the devil. He said the enemy is coming or the, the, the whatever, the devil is coming, but he has no place in me. When you get born again of God, he has no place in you. So when that stuff comes at you, having the confidence and the boldness and knowing truth, guys, knowing the Bible is what's so powerful. It's like literally 
Ephesians 6, it's having the, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of the gospel, the sword of the spirit, all these things, they're actual weapons that you can turn into uh, action against the devil and go, wait, you have no place in me. I'm born again. Okay, so it can, it can look like the whole bouncing your eyes, practical stuff like that, but it starts in a heart place where you go, I know that I'm not that person anymore. It helps for me to think of like, and, and has like helped throughout, is like this reality of looking at, you can look at your purity in a couple different ways as this great and big tower that, that is your purity, and every time you mess up, you tear, tear it down and ruin it. Okay, and to some extent, that's somewhat true. There's some, some of that that has to be then restored. But I've always kind of loved to look at it and go, like, I have my purity, but I want a greater value to my purity. So every time I make a decision against the temptations that I know I shouldn't be doing or whatever, I'm actually building a temple of my purity that becomes this great home, this great house that I can give then to my family. Does that make sense? It's not just about preserving what I already have. It's actually about increasing what you already have and taking your purity from what you were given, which is something. You, don't, you aren't born with no purity, but you're born with a purity that's meant to be built on. Does that make sense? And yeah, there's crumbling that can happen, but there's also restoration that can happen in that. And every victory is an addition to your home for your future and all of that that helps a little Come bit. On. So, so and so like yeah, I know, but but just on the, like the heart <laughs> yeah. you got the heart stuff that's yeah. like that theoretical stuff or whatever. But if you want practical steps, find a leader and they'll help you have practical steps with your yeah. own personal situation. That's huge. Okay, cool. Can God bring people into your life relationships at a young age? God brings husbands and wives, but is any time too early? I would say no, but it really matters what you do with that. You might meet your spouse at age 2. Doesn't mean you need to make out with them. There's like six country oh, songs about that. That's ridiculous, but you might meet your spouse at 15. It doesn't mean you need to make out with them. You might meet your spouse at 19. It doesn't mean you need to make out with them. Look at it wherever along the way. Your spouse may come into your life, but again, are you building? Are you preserving? Are you creating something? Or are you just going like, oh, this is nice. Like, yeah, three-year-old, I kissed saw your girlfriend across the street. Like, like, oh, my gosh, like, that's so lame. And, like, some people think that's super cute. I think it's strange. Anyway, but it's like, no, dare any boy to kiss my daughter. Charles and Ann met when they were 15. There you go. Chris that's Valentin awesome. and his wife, if you know who that is, and from mm-hmm. Bethel, met when they were, like, 15. 13 and 14 Thir- 13 or something, and 14. Yeah. He proposed when, they were, when, he was, when she was 13 and he was 15 or something like that. He proposed... And they kept it real until like Still 20 married. to get married or something. And they've been married like 40 years. Come on. It can't be done right, but you got to keep it right. It's true. There's a big deal. Like you don't go get engaged so you can start messing around. That's stupid. That's not how it works anyway. I'm serious. It's stupid. All right. How do you re- resist the urge to date even when you know they aren't the right one? Good Lord, wake up. Some of this I just need to give you straight truth on. I mean, we could give you lots of like, okay, and God said, but like, if you know they're not the right one, you already know the answer. If you're waking up in a panic attack because you know you aren't supposed to be in a relationship, wake the heck up and get out of it. Uh, Moving on. I know I'm mean now. (laughs) Mean Pastor Ben, are you right? Here we go. Oh, there's a, this one big, long question that was like two paragraphs. We basically summed it down to the, this basic simplicity of what is the line between friends and together? That's a fair question, right? What's the line between friends and together? Anybody want to give me an answer out there? Right there. What defines, what makes the difference between we're just friends and we're together or dating or going out? What's the difference? Come on. You all know the answer. (laughs) Physical. Am I right? Because if you have two people that are like, oh, we've been going out for two years, but we haven't touched each other. Do you follow where I'm going with this? Physical. Which then demands an increase. Fair enough? So here, that's the difference. You get physical, and if you're like holding hands like this with your friend, stop. 
stop. Is that fair enough? Can I get, a, can I get an amen in the room? Amen. Anyway, come on. All right. Okay, you got the next one, Dylan? Sure. What's an appropriate age or date, it says, to start dating? Three there people ask this question. Probably more of you wonder, right? Yeah. So I think that uh, it definitely depends on the situation. Obviously, there's not an, a specific age that we're going to say, okay, by 17, that's when you date. That sounds like a creepy movie that you watch on Netflix, you know? Seriously. True. But, like, so we, we shared testimonies of people like Chris Valentin, like, famous people. But then there's also, like, Dylan Kelly and Veronica. We told you that story just two minutes ago. 14 years old, and they're in here, and they're going, like, God has told me that this person is going to be my wife and vice versa. And so what's the first thing that they did? They, like, chased God as hard as they could. Oh, man. Okay? Like, and, and I'm not saying that everybody has to be a pastor, right? Okay? Do you know how many, like amazing businessmen you know how many amazing musicians you know how many amazing like whatever you can don't put a label on being passionate about jesus he's the one who created you he's the one who put the hairs on your head he knows how many numbers there are on there right like he literally knows every single detail about you and we're going to reserve being passionate and expressive about god to the pastor give me a freaking break like we are so like we're so mm, I don't know, like, I don't want to say committed, but we're so, we're so, that's all I can say. We're just so, like, available to, like, we have so much available to us in, in pursuing God personally that we, we sometimes put a lid on it. It's just silliness. But crazy. if you are in that place where God has spoken to you about something like that, then you're going to have the strength, the power, the appreciation, and the respect to do it the right way. Okay, no matter if you're 13, like Chris Valentin was, you're 15, I was 20, oh no, I was 18 when I met Katie, but we never even, like, dated until we were, what, 20? So, all different ages, but it's all about where your heart's at. Seriously. And that all goes back to that same place. If you think you're really ready to pursue that, you better also be ready to surround yourself with authorities who can tell you you're stupid, you're wrong, if you don't have anyone who can tell you you're stupid or you're wrong, you're not mature enough to be dating. That's a good one. Like, for real. My big sister was this for me a whole lot in my life. Like, Preach. You're stupid. Like, you're right. And I, it took me years to start hearing that, and then I was like, oh, my gosh, I was stupid. Anyway. Is this for you? When is the best time to have your boyfriend slash girlfriend meet the family? Before they're your boyfriend or girlfriend for crying out loud. If your parents have never met them, say, if they ask you out, be like, hey, would you mind coming over for dinner first? If they're like, no, no, no. And okay, bye. If there's any hope that you're going to marry them, they sure as heck better get along with your family. Even if your family's nuts, don't don't go against the will of your family. Listen, even with ridiculous possessive, controlling, over-the-top, nutty parents, get their blessing. Good God, get their blessing. Because it will be the favor of the rest of your life. I'm not even joking. You go and defy your parents to chase true love. Anyway, that's enough. It's a good answer. I don't have any opinions about this. Anyway, all right. What sort of boundaries should a man have? Or a woman? What sort of boundaries? I'm assuming this question was relating to physical boundaries. Make sense? Here's the great and big question. It is not about how far you go. It's about where you're going. I wrote on here. Guys, shut up. That was late. <laughs> oh, blame the leader. I, All right. I, I, I heard you a lot more, actually. All right. Yeah. Okay, I wrote this down on here when it comes to boundaries. It's not about the fence. It's about the pasture. I quoted it on mine, too. Do you get this? We can, you can run your relationship and go like, I can run all the way up to the edge of the pasture. Like, and be like, have you ever seen cows? They just hang out right by the fence the whole time. And all the grass is worn away against the fence. But right behind them, like 10 feet back away from the fence, there's really nice lush so grass. true. Stop thinking in your mind of how much I can get and start believing for what it is that you're looking forward to. Does that make sense? 
if you spend your whole time going, oh, well, it's okay to hold hands and hug and kiss, but, you know, I can't go that far. I guarantee you'll run up to that fence like a freight train and try to stop on a dime, and it's probably not going to work out the way you hope. Really, truly. You might have the best intentions to be like, hey, we're going to take it real slow, and this is as far as we're going to go in our dating relationship. Think differently. And if Seriously. You're, if, you're let, if you're getting into a physical relationship with somebody, um, that's just from experience as a high school hormonal human, that's pretty much all that happens. Like, you don't do anything else. Yeah. Literally. You don't do anything else. And you can't tell me that there's, like, there's not so much more. And, like, for some of you young girls, too, it's like, I'm sure that, Girls that are in those kind of relationships are going like, I wish we would just go to friendlies, but the guy's not thinking that way. Okay? I just Some of them. sit and watch a movie. And yeah. Where did I read an article? Yeah, we just read an article that, like, girls that are, uh, girls, girl testimonies, high school age girls testimonies that are saying, like, the only way I can get my boyfriend to watch a movie with me is if I have sex with him first. Okay? And so, like, it's, that's, that's so jacked up. up. Okay? We're... And I guess that's what we're here. And that's to say. extreme case, but like, but really, like that's that Happens mentality becomes. You get locked into this physical relationship, and you start. Th- if you can take one step back in the midst of that and go, do we actually ever talk about anything significant anymore? No, it's just you're looking for a place to go make out. Anyway, and on this boundaries thing, this is a big one that'll like really get you. And I just go like, and I heard this. I don't remember who told me this or if my friends and I kind of agreed on the accountability thing was this whole reality. If you wouldn't do it in front of your mom, don't. Oof. That's a good one. And why is that? Because you're like, ew, that would be so weird. And uh, like, yeah. <laughs> the reason you wouldn't do it in front of your mom is because of the big word that starts with S-H-A-M-E. Shame, for those of you that are slower. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Does this make sense? If it was really good, because people go, oh my gosh, it's not even a big thing. We can do this. It's not a big thing. It's whatever. If you won't do it with your mom present, then there's probably some shame attached to it that would tell you that it's not okay. And it's not great. And it's not awesome. And is this where we were going to talk about the hoopa? Nope. Wait. Nope. No, wait, maybe, maybe. It might I, be it was. Maybe it was. Here's the deal, guys. No, Jewish, it's not. No, where's that later? How long should a person wait after Oh, marriage? that's right. We'll do that. Okay, we'll get there. We're moving on. Ooh, now you're questioning. Now you're curious. What's a hoopah? All right. How do you politely get rid of a guy slash girl who is flirting with you? Girls, I think, had this last week, but guys didn't talk about it. Clear communication. How to politely get rid of a guy who is a guy slash girl Who's flirting with you? Yeah. Your response is everything. Seriously. Your response is everything. If they're flirting with you and you're... (laughs) Seriously. Or you're like, whatever. There's lots of different ways that this plays out. Your response tells them everything. You can lovingly go like, thank you. And not be like, thank you. (laughs) Seriously. Like, right? They come up and they're just like, oh my gosh, you're like the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. They're like, wow, thank you for saying that. That doesn't lead a guy on to like, oh, I want more of that. Right. It just tells him, whoa, that girl's got class. She's not easily bought. I say this all the time. I tell Maisley every day that I love her and she's beautiful. So whatever guy comes after her better be able to beat that. Come on, right? That's so good. She better be, he better be better than daddy. Or he's got no chance. Anyway. He'll meet the so other Maisley if that it doesn't. That's right. He, yeah. He'll meet the other Maisley. My shotgun. <laughs> I named it Maisley. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I come to the door. Not, can I see Maisley? Uh, yes. <laughs> so good. All right. Now go home, boy. Until you get a job. Anyway. All right. I'm not really going to be like that, but. Maybe. All right. Okay. Is there anything you would redo if you could about your dating relationship, even with your wife? Like anything that you regret? I can say that uh, for Katie and I, she's in the room, so this could get awkward, but probably not. 
But like we had to stop making out when we were engaged. We had to stop because if we didn't stop, we weren't going to make it. So we literally did not kiss for three months before we got married because the first two months, we were only engaged for five months. The first two months we were kissing and it was way too much. So we were like, look, if we're going to make this really happen, we're going to have to stop kissing altogether. So that's, that's what I, w- I wish we would have done awesome. that right from the get-go. From the beginning. Oh, my gosh, right? And isn't that, that weird? We you say. think about how crazy it is. Like, you're well, like, that's you're, the stupidest idea ever. You're Until engaged. You're on the other side of it and you're like, oh, that would have been awesome. Right. So that's me. I mean it. And me too. I'd be the same way. I wish I heard the things that we're telling you tonight. I really wish I hadn't just been told, don't have sex till you're married. I wish I had been taught that there was more to the picture of purity than surviving till the day of my wedding. Come on. For real. And that's so much of that pasture and fence picture, guys. It's Mm -hmm. just literally turning around and going, there is so much here. Because you're in a season of life that is purposeful. God's put you there and running right up to the fence and waiting. (laughs) You miss everything that's meant for this season of life. I'm so for real. That's what I, yeah. So, that's good. Is it okay to like someone for their personality? How do you stop liking people for their looks? If, is it worth it if you date someone but never talk? That was all on one card. All no, on one card. Number one, yes. Is it, um, is it okay to like someone for their personality? Um, yeah. There we go. How do you stop liking people for their looks? Imagine them when they're 80 and you're married to them. That's what the Bible says. Beauty is fading. Beauty, outward beauty is fading. So if you're locked in on how they look right now, you better not just be in love with their looks right now because there are not enough plastic. You've seen the plastic surgeries. They still don't work. Okay. Ain't enough Botox and plastic to make that last. Just go. All right. And And the last one, no. Is it worth it if you date someone but never talk? That's stupid. Okay? Talk. I hope you can talk because if you're not talking, you're probably making out, and that's a problem. We (laughs) talked about this already because it's really hard to do both. I've I've heard. Anyway, all right. The next two we pretty much covered. (laughs) Very hard to do both at the same time. All right. If we could go back and give yourself advice, we pretty much just said that we would do everything we're pretty much talking about. Yep. That's what we would like to do. That would, seriously. My parents have a strict rule about dating. I really like someone, and the only reason I'm not dating is because of them. How do I handle this? <laughs> they say I'm not mature enough. And that would go back to what I said before. If you don't have people around you who can say no, you're not mature enough. You, you cannot date alone. This chair is going to break. You cannot. <laughs> it's okay. You know, we're like, ah! Okay? You cannot date alone in a mature fashion. You cannot date alone with you and your honey because you are lost on a, pl- on a planet. We made this up in high school called Icabos. It's a planet with a population of two. And no one else exists. Okay? Gets like, and oh, but you've seen it. It's like, <laughs> they're just like, everybody around them's talking, and then you look over, and they're just like, <laughs> <laughs> like, good Lord, or Velcro couples, you can call them. Okay? That's good. Stop. Anyway, right? So, seriously, your parents, I know, they don't know anything until you realize they know a lot. I'm serious. I didn't think my parents knew a dang thing until I think I was at college, and I remember the day talking on the phone with my mom, and something clicked, and I went, I love you. I don't know that I had ever, like, really, and I did with my dad the next week on the phone for the first time in my whole life. I said, I love you to my dad because I, like, something clicked in me that was like, you guys are brilliant. Overnight, they learned everything. It was amazing because for like 18 years, they were clueless. And then suddenly I was like, you went to school while I was at college and learned everything. No, they really were smarter than I was. Hard to swallow, I know. 
And listen, if your parents are seriously whack jobs, okay, like idiots and out there, that does, that does happen. Take it for what it's worth, but bring it before some other authorities in your life who can say, hmm, that's not a good idea. Got it? If your parents really are not involved and really are not capable of these kind of decisions, I get that reality. Find people. You've got a youth ministry full of leaders that would love to be like, hey, think about it this way. Make sense? And our youth leaders wouldn't be here if we weren't capable of having those conversations with you and going, oh, that's out of line a little bit. Make sense? Cool? What's next? What's your favorite? <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> what form of dating do I need to use to be a Jesus Christian? <laughs> and since you specified being a Jesus Christian, it would be the same kind of dating that you would use to be a God Christian or a Holy Spirit Christian. But the reality is, I love that. Re- I love that really is that you really start with a dating and building relationship with Jesus. He'll let you know when it's proper time to do it right. Okay? And that's a big over overall of everything that we say is if you're locked in with Jesus, you're going to have real answers. Dylan said that even at the end of worship is that when you know that you know that you know that you're in the will of God, there's not confusion and it's not that challenging. But you also can very well tell when you're not in the will of God because you can feel it. Usually not when you're in a car with the one you love. But when you get home and you're by yourself thinking, what just happened? Is when you go, I'm out of the will of God. Make sense? Don't make those decisions in the backseat of a car or on a couch or anywhere. Make those decisions ahead of time and know I'm in the will of God. Know where you're going. Know where your life's going so nothing pulls you off it. Good? How can you tell that someone is serious about a relationship? Track record. Yeah. Were they serious with somebody else like last month? Just look at their Facebook. That's a good word. <laughs> oh, my bae. Oh, my gosh. Right? Like, if, You'll know. If they were with somebody else seriously a month ago, they're not serious about you now. Fact. Fact. If, they're, if they were serious with someone else a month ago, they're not serious about you now. Even if that's over. They're not serious. They're needy. And they're looking to fill something that didn't finish in, that they didn't get out of the last relationship, and now they're looking for the next stop, next, next gas pump for a fill-up. And then they leave. Picture it that way. And something that goes along with that about cool. being in a relationship seriously with somebody mm-hmm. is the difference between looking at somebody and seeing the potential that they have and looking at someone and seeing the way that they've lived their life. Okay, because there's a lot of people who have potential but when you're actually going to join yourself with someone, you don't want to do it based on potential. Stephen Furtick says this. You want to do it based on their track record. You want to do it based on their history. Okay, because you can look at somebody and you can negotiate with God and say, God, they have such a gift. They're going to be awesome. I'm going to lead them to Jesus. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Let them find Jesus and then talk That's about the blind it. leading the blind. So just saying, like what Ben said about looking at their track record, like that's such a good tell. Okay, and don't don't let yourself be deceived by how good they could be. Let them become that person first and then say, "Okay, now they're good enough kind of thing. When is an acceptable time to get married and why? Um, I would say when you get to a place where you don't need to to be complete. Maybe that's part of it. When you don't need to get married to be complete, you might be ready to start thinking about getting married. But as long as you're needing to get married to feel some level of completeness, you may not be ready. Fair enough? Is that good? It's, oh my gosh. <laughs> We're on the first page. <laughs> Dang. There's no way we're going to get through all this. Next category, though, that's the end of, that's the end of dating. Wow. Next category, this is a tough one, too, right? Woo! 
That's not really the end of dating. I hope you all date someday and do it really well. Okay, not the, it's the end of the, the list of dating questions. The next, um, what, eight or nine questions are all relating to homosexuality, which we understand is a very hot topic in our society and in our culture right now and stuff. And I've honestly, I've been doing a lot of reading and research in the last few weeks about this on this topic because I've kind of been like, well, I have the God view and the Bible perspective, and I've actually gone and read a whole bunch of articles and papers written by people that that either like that are gay or claim to be gay in like Christians in the church or all these. And I'm just kind of going, what's the perspective? What? Where are people coming from? How do they see what this is going on? So here's a handful of the questions, and then I'm gonna, we're going to try to just cover it overall. Why is homosexuality wrong if love is unconditional? Do you support homosexual relationships or, or marriage? How do you respond to an LGBT Christian? I'm a Christian. I've talked to my parents. I've talked to my friends. But I still feel uncomfortable talking about it to anyone at church. What should I do? Um, what, why is being gay wrong? What is wrong about being LGBT? God loves everyone no matter what. So why does, anyone, why does everyone make such a big deal about it? And is it okay to be Christian and gay? So these are all, like, specifically around that realm. Here's the deal, guys. The Bible is pretty dang clear and speaks of the natural relations that have been created by God. There's absolutely zero positive description of homosexual or bisexual relationships anywhere in Scripture. There's some vagueness in some of the Old Testament passages that would say, okay, Sodom and Gomorrah, yes, homosexuality may have been a problem there, but the only thing that's actually mentioned in, in uh, Genesis, I think where it is, um, about Sodom and Gomorrah is like a literal, like, like a, a gay, like gang rape, which obviously was completely outside of God's law. So that scripture specifically does not shed light directly on whether or not a loving, ongoing, committed gay relationship would be approved by God. It doesn't, because that's clearly, dif- like, totally out there. And I even had to get some of my own paradigm shifted on this, because I think in some ways in my mind I had a perspective that any, if you're gay, there's this, it, it's just perverted. Like, and it's all about sexuality, and it's all about doing things that are really dirty and awful and whatever, gang. I had that wrong perception, and I'll, admit, I'll be the first to admit I've been corrected in my thinking on this. Because I think there is a great reality that people are longing for deep, committed, long-standing relationship and connection that isn't necessarily all about sexuality. However, the Bible very clearly states that when it comes to marriage, there's a great power of marriage that includes sexuality. When it comes to a lifelong bond and the full intimacy of being together, sexuality is the intimacy that only marriage is meant to see. Does that make sense? So when you look at Scripture and the only references made, and there's several, a couple others in the Levitical law to the Jews that were very clear, gave this entire list of like, don't have sex with your with your mom, don't have sex with your daughter, don't have sex with your brother's wife, don't have sex with your mom's son. Like, it's crazy. Like, it's a whole list in the Levitical law that said, and men do not have sex with men, and women do not have sex with women. It's pretty clear, like, this is the law of God. Okay, we get into the New Testament, and there's very clear things where God says, and God gave them over to their depraved minds and allowed them, and this is the beauty of God's love for his people, is that it is a choice that you get to choose what you're going to do, but it doesn't make, a, make it a right choice. But it says that men exchange natural relations with women and, um, I guess, and, and, and engaged in inappropriate sexual relations with other men. And women gave up the natural relations with men and, and took upon themselves unnatural relations with women. And there, I've heard all these arguments as I've been reading that says, well, what if my natural birth was that I'm gay and I was born that way? Then exchanging the natural for the unnatural would mean for me to actually be not homosexual would be a violation of my natural. But here's the, that's the ground floor basis, and that's where every one of these arguments that I have seen so far lands is, I was born this way. So, you can't tell me, and a lot of the argument is, God said it's not okay for man to be alone. Right? 
That's like right there in Genesis when he looked it out. He's like, it's not good for man to be alone. So then they use this. I was born gay, so if God doesn't want me to be alone, then I have to be allowed to marry a man. Because God doesn't want me to be alone. But that is receiving upon yourself an identity at birth that is not true to who God says you are. Now listen, here's the great answer to that, if you will, and I believe it's a good, full, and complete answer, is every single one of us in this room was born in sin with different tendencies to sin. Some were born with a propensity to um, depression. Some were born with a propensity to lying. Some were born with a propensity to stealing, cheating, drug addiction, alcohol addiction. In our birth, it says that we were born into sin through the seed of Adam and Eve all the way down through. And that's why Jesus came and was born of a virgin which did not receive the seed of sinful nature that we all received. Do you get this? We are all born locked into temptation. That is not a sin to be tempted. Homosexuality is one of the many temptations that are real. I don't say, oh, it's the worst. I don't say that, oh, it's the weirdest. I don't say it's the grossest. I say it's one of them. And I found this verse that I'll show you real quick. It says in Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest, it's talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize or understand us. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. This tells me right here, Jesus himself was tempted with homosexuality and did not fall to sin. What? Read it again. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand us and our weakness. But we have one high priest who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Being tempted by something is not a sin. Satan came and tempted Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days. So Jesus would have been a sinner if having temptation and struggle was a sin. Do you get this? So here's the reality, and this is what the enemy has gone and done, is he has gone and taken a temptation and made it an identity that people feel like, you're offending who I am by saying that this is wrong. No. I'm saying what God said, and God went through it. Jesus himself walked through your temptation, whatever it might be, and said, no, that's not my identity. I'm the son of God, and I am going to the cross. Because he knew where he was going, and nothing could sway him from it. And giving in to any one of those temptations would have tossed him off the path that he was meant for. And by the power of Jesus and what his blood has done over us, he gave us full power because it tells us in Romans, right, Stu, it's Romans 6, we were crucified with Christ, and it is not us who lives, but Christ who lives in us. And if we were crucified with Christ, we were also raised from the dead. We were buried with Christ, got it? and raised from the dead in Christ. So we are in this way. Jesus took us to the cross, took us to the grave, brought us out, and gave us the victory over sin so we can beat these temptations. And here's the other side and angle to this, and we're going to have to stop probably with this topic, and there's a lot more to it. We'll see if we can get to more as the next couple weeks, but we got another panel next week. Maybe we'll address some of them that way, but Guys, Satan has no power but what you give him by your agreement. The minute you look at your temptation that you're dealing with and you say, yeah, that's just who I am, you just empowered Satan to grip your heart, to grip your life, and to keep you there blinded, and it talks all about this in other parts in Scripture, is that they were blinded by their own ways and their own desires and their own lusts of the flesh and blah, 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 blah. The only other verse right here it says Colossians 3, 5, put to death, therefore, what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. It says put it to death. That's what baptism in the water is, guys. 
That's why we believe it's powerful, because you literally go, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to represent the death that you died. I'm going to go put, get put. I'm going to put to death the old man and leave him there. And when I come back up out of that water of baptism, he's back there. I'm new creation, born again, all clean, all the crap is gone. Blood of Jesus just covered me. That's this great reality that we walk in is that we were crucified with Christ, buried with him, risen in purity, in victory over every temptation. And I don't mean to camp on just the homosexuality thing. This is for everyone in the room. And I know everyone in this room has something. Some of you, homosexuality is it. Some of you, depression is it. Some of you, it's addiction to all kinds of things. It could be pornography. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be tendencies to things, to lie to your parents, to just disobey. The reason I know we were born with this, Maisley's 18 months old. And she was in the bottom drawer the other day as I was washing dishes. And she pulls a couple dishes out and throws them on the floor. And I said, can you put them back? And she reaches in the drawer with both hands, grabs everything else out, on the floor. And I mean, you all did it too. Don't give me this like, I'm not that evil. Right? Even Tyler did it. I will. But he's bigger now. No, I'm kidding. But do you get this? Like, she wasn't taught that. But there is, there's this push that the devil knows, and he knows your background, he knows your story, he knows your family, he knows the abuses in your life, he knows the ways you've been mistreated, and he will find his little way to target that soft spot in you, and it's not any worse for you than it is for anybody else. So let me tell you that if you're dealing with homosexuality, you're not the, the one dealing with the worst one. Because everybody's got their battle, and if for everybody it's a torment. For everyone it is Oh, God, I want free of this completely. And it's a walking out, and there's a victory, and it comes easier with every victory that you stand in. You go like, okay, I beat it this time. And it does. It gets easier and easier, and then the devil sideswipes you because he, he knows it's your weak spot. That doesn't mean you can't have the victory. He comes in, you mess up, you screw up along the way, and you get right with God. Because what you do in the moment that you stumble and fall is what determines the value of what you've established right now. If you fall into shame, oh, I failed, I've never. You could have had six months without looking at porn or a year without looking at porn, and all of a sudden, you just one day, you're like, click. You can go, oh, my gosh, I'm starting all over. No, God says, let's get that one out of here. You're six months in one day. Let's go. Come on, don't, like, and don't use this as license. We've talked about this before. Don't go like, oh, well, God, forgive me. So I'm going to do this, and then tomorrow I'll say sorry, and it'll be all good. That's stupid, and that's abuse of God and his love and his goodness because it says in the Bible, it's his goodness that brings us to repentance, not his judgment, not his evilness and his domineering power. It's the goodness of God that goes, oh, I don't want to defile this anymore. So we begin to look at our temptation and go, God is better than what I'm being offered right now, and I'm going to put this temptation off, and I'm going after God. But when you put your life in neutral and stop pursuing God, man, is that a dangerous place. Because then you're not going anywhere, and the devil will just be like, hey, check this out, check this out. It's so much easier to have victory when you're chasing God with all your heart. Seriously. Cool? Gonna wrap Come this on. Yeah, so why don't you stand up? <coughs> Thanks for being patient. That was good. It was a good run. We, we got to as much as we could. Some good stuff in there for sure. Guys, if, if something lit up in your heart, um, don't just leave it alone. You know, don't just wait till next Wednesday or Sunday. Dig into scripture. Dig in. Do Google searches. You know, do whatever. Find out. Go, go deeper. Yeah, get into uh, a conversation with a leader or whatever. Um, but just we're going to end tonight just where we started this whole thing uh, weeks ago. Yeah. We're going to repent. Okay? Like, we're going to make that word the friendliest word in all of Airborne because it literally just means to get right with God in our mind and in, in our thinking. And just to read this verse again, um, it's, it's Romans 12, too. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
That's what you do when you repent. You turn from the way you think and you say, God, I want the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And guys, so much of what we hear in the world gets so uh, misconstrued or whatever you want to say because it's like twisted in this whole idea that God, God doesn't want what's best for you and God just hates like for the inst- for an instance, homosexuals like God hates homosexuals, so that's so that's why the church is so mad about homosexuals. No, it's not it at all. It's not it at all. Okay, I literally had a dream like two or three months ago, and one of our old youth uh, students was coming to me, and he said, "Our our youth room was packed. Like all of you guys, c- you could see clearly how you could all fit like on that side of the pillar in the room." And we were all packed over there, and the kid, Aaron Drexley, said to me, he said, we'll never fill this room unless we get the homosexuals. And that was a wake-up call to my heart to go, okay, God, we need to change the way we think about this in church. Like this question on here that says, I'm afraid to talk to people at church about it. I've talked to friends, I've talked to family, but I'm afraid because there's a stigma on the church that says that God hates homosexuals. That's not true. And neither do we. Okay, we want to see them just like Ben said, it's not any different than any other sin or any other temptation, but we're not going to stand up here and be soft and, and like deviate from God's word and say it's not a sin. It is a sin. It's totally a sin. Just like going out and getting drunk is a sin. Just like going and having sex with a girl before you're married is a sin. Just like any other lying to your teacher. Simple, but a sin disobeying your parents okay there's no difference okay so all in all of that what we want you guys to hear is that you can literally come to god with anything okay even though their sins were red as scarlet he made them white as snow okay that is the way he works it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done he is here to make us free okay so let's repent everyone put your hands up say god i repent Change the way I think to be the way that you think. Your way is higher than my way. Come sit on the throne of my heart. I love you. Thanks for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.